Okay. So we started a Mishnah on Chavches Amidbeis with many, many, many different dinim about Shemana Esrei that we're going to have to attack one by one. But the first one was Shmana Esrei. Shmana Esrei is actually 18 brachas. And we discussed, and we're going to get back to whether or not you actually say all 18 like we do, or can you summarize them? We discussed Thursday night three Makairis for 18, and we discussed them. Now, now we're going to discuss the expansion of Shmanasri from 18 brachas into 19 brachas, as we have it today. So we are two lines from the bottom of Chav Ches Beis, and the Gemara says as follows. Taner Abonim, Shimon HaPekuli, that was his name, Shimon HaPekuli, his there, organized Yod Ches Brachas Gamliel. He organized the 18 brachas that we have in front of Ram Gamliel. Again, the exact evolution, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, lot of chatter. The exact evolution. <coughs> Which means he probably didn't invent the 18 brachas. It says hysteria. There were versions going around. People more or less had the same idea. Which means the parts of tefillah were all present before then. All the things we daven for are things we all want. And like the formula of tefillah, as we're going to get to in the fifth parak, first three brachas, you have to praise the Rebbein Last three brachas, you have to thank the Rebbein Middle brachas, you can ask for what you need. Our needs are more or less the same. Which is why it's always very important to read Kichel's. You find that like every family is the exact same. So like, you know, if you need that, I need that. Like, basically, we're all the same. Really? They also fight about that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, so our needs are the same. So tefillah was there. It was just a matter of organizing it. So Shimon Apkuli organized it in front of Ram Gamliel. Al Haseder B'Yavne in order in Yavne. Yavne, we discussed um, when we did Ram Gamliel. Yavda was where the Chachamim went after they decided to withdraw from Yerushalayim right before the destruction of Second Mesa Migdash. Because although this evolution had been happening the whole time, the whole Bayashem, by, you know, a lot of people speak out like the following Nusach. The Beis Hamigdash was destroyed by the first Beis Hamigdash. When Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the first Beis Hamigdash, the Beis Hamikdash was destroyed. Oh, I'm recording. You, you, be my guest. Um, I'm just distracting my tie. Um, the the. Um, <laughs> I the the the, um, um, uh, the so so the was destroyed, um, basically, in the first Beis Hamikdash. Just. The second base Hamikdash, the whole second base Hamikdash, it wasn't a redo of the first base Hamikdash. The second base Hamikdash was actually a transition from the first base Hamikdash to what we have nowadays. Because the first base Hamikdash was real. What we have nowadays is Gefarlach. The transition 
that we transformed, we like slowly eased out of a Beis HaMikdash was the second Beis HaMikdash. second Beis HaMikdash was not the glory days of the first Beis HaMikdash. It was actually, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky speaks this out. It was actually a transition to what we have now. So the Tefillahs as we know them, ever since the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and people went to Babel, and by the way, people never came back. When people went into Gauls, into Ruch HaNetzar, so you know, 90% went to Babel, 10% went to Mitzrayim, and then people started seeping all over the world. Greece and Crete and Cyprus and North Africa and, and Turkey. People started seeping all over us and they never came back. Did they come for Ali Laregal? Probably, maybe, hopefully. But people never came back. And it's been like that since the destruction of the first base of Migdash. The oldest communities, like in Yemen and Iran, they've been there since the first base of Migdash. So, so the need for tefillah was around. It finalized at the destruction of the second Beis HaMikdash. When the second Beis HaMikdash was finally destroyed, then it was like, okay, now we really, really, really need tefillah. At that time, Roman Gamliel, I'm sorry for this word, officialized it. Um, so that's what happened there. It sounds like immediately after they started Shemun of 18 Brachas, they then needed a 19th. Meaning we pictured like there was, there was 18 for years and then they needed the 19th. It sounds like it was almost immediately. Read the word. Uh, so, Ramgamliel um, Ramgamliel told them, which means the whole 18 brachas was established by Ramgamliel. And in front of Ramgamliel himself, he requested, he put out the contract. Would anyone be capable of writing a bracha against the, would anyone be capable of writing a bracha against the tztukim? Is there anyone who's capable of writing a bracha against the tztukim? which is who we know as Shmuel, he established it. Why Shmuel? Why was Shmuel, I mean, again, not to minimize Shmuel, Shmuel was from the greatest Amirayim. If not the greatest, Shmuel was a doctor, Shmuel was a ton, Shmuel was an astrologer, Shmuel was everything. So it's not as if, like, you know, like, he came out of left field. But Lemaisa, why was it Shmuel? So if Hutner has a vart in the end of, in the end of Sukkot, in the end of the Maimaram and Sukkot, Rav Hutner says, great, we know that Shmuel authored the famous sentence, which is really a Pasik, but it was Shmuel's, you know, it's like, you know, we have Miyesh Chavetz Chaim, is also a Pasik, but someone said it in the Gemara. When someone introduces a Pasik as their mantra, then they live that. So what was Shmuel's mantra? Shmuel's mantra was, Binfal Eivecha Al-Tismach. Shmuel lived the concept of the ability to have an enemy, deal with him as necessary, and it's not personal. There's no personal glee in defeating the enemy. It's a necessary step, but it's not something you rejoice about. Someone who's capable of such compartmentalization and such laser focus on doing what needs to be done to destroy the enemy, but not making a party out of it, meaning most of us would dance on the grave. You know, if you defeat the enemy, you know, yay, and you know, fist pumping, he gets very excited. Not nice. 
Shmuel, and this is a very lofty goal, Shmuel was capable of such, and therefore Shmuel was uniquely suited, says Rafutner, to author the bracha against the tztukim. Because if me and you would do it, it would be vengeful and spiteful, and it would be very, very, very like, bitter, and we'd have like, a lot of personal pleasure in the downfall of the tztukim. Because I wrote the bracha, aha, yeshimak. But Shmuel was capable of writing the bracha with the proper punch, and taking no personal satisfaction, therefore he got the job. And that is how the 19th bracha, and that is how the 19th bracha evolved. Dwar now says a story that happened with Shmuel himself that evolves into halachic discussion. The Shana Acheres, as we go to Chavtes, the Shana Acheres, Shichicha. The next year, Shmuel forgot it, which means Shmuel was the chazan, and he was davening for the Abed. Remember, we discussed on Thursday night, they had no Zdurim. And Shmuel was davening for the Ahmed and forgot how to save Olam Alshinim. He was stammering and stuttering, and he was incapable of saying Olam Alshinim. He forgot it. Vihishkifba, and he he like stared, like and he was like trying to like concentrate and remember it. Two or three hours. By the way, the Sharma Mitzvah Allah proves from over here that Shais doesn't mean hours. It means period of time. However you want to, whatever we're talking about, you can mark it in Shais. Shah means time. The inset, two or three hours. It means two or three moments, two or three periods of time. And, and he waited and he, was, and he was trying to forget it. And they didn't yank him. Again, the reason why we call yanking a chazan oila, pulling him up, is because you're supposed to construct a show like the Agoda Parkites. And the chazan is supposed to be yoyrid l'fnei because of the Gemara we learned, mimamakim, kurasicha. So, so when the chazan actually goes to Davin, he's yoyrid l'fnei When you yank the chazan, you pull him up and out. You're oila him. So, and they didn't yank Shmuel. That's the end of the story. But the question is, why didn't they yank Shmuel? Why didn't they yank him? We have some red flags. Meaning, we don't mind if you make a mistake. If a person is the chazan and he's davening for the Ahmed and he forgets how to say the brach of Baruch Aleinu. Forget to say the bracha of Baruch No problem. No problem. Give him time. Let him organize his thoughts. If you could get him going, then get him going. If you can't get him going, that doesn't mean anything. Because we don't think anyone's against making money. But if a person forgets Vilam al Shinim, this may not be so innocent. This may not be so innocuous. He may be playing for the other team. He may be at Stuki. In which case, you got to get rid of him. And that's the halach. So, says the Gemara, We said the halach is tab If a person makes a mistake in any of the other brachas, we don't yank him because it's an innocent mistake. We all make mistakes. But, if he makes a mistake in the Birkas Hatzdukim, we don't think it's so innocent. 
it could be he's a closet tzeduki and he's very hesitant to curse out his comrades. And he's very hesitant to say nasty stuff about his partners. So, I know this is not silly, but like, so, no. why is he davening? Why is he davening? Because like we see from the Gemara's in Sukkah and elsewhere, they love to get in their zachen into the mainstream. And like, remember we had the Gemara in Sukkah that, that one time there's, all the time there's the Kahanam G'daylam, who were at Stukim, and, and when they were called on to do the Nishamayim, which they did not believe in because it's not in the Torah, they poured the water on their feet because I got them. Meaning they weren't satisfied with just having their private beliefs and, and keeping it quiet. They wanted to fear on their private beliefs in, in our in our davening. So it made them excited. If you if we, we got there at Stukim, the Mishnah in Megillah has all sorts of signs that a guy, if a guy wears all white, I don't trust you. I think you're a closet stuke. You know, it could be, you know, you're a tennis player. But like, let me say, like, people do that. But no, I'm chayshid, you're a closet stuke. You're out of here. So, says the Gemara, so why don't we do that to Shmula Cotton? Maybe he's a min. Now the tour, it's interesting. The tour Paskins, in the name of the Yerushalmi, that it's not just Vulam Hashinim, it's any bracha that if you don't believe in the concept behind it, you're not because. So again, Baruch Aleinu is a great example. No one doesn't believe in the concept of making money. So then that's like a, a bracha that if anyone messes up, we don't care. If a person messes up in Rafainu, it's absolutely no problem. No one doesn't believe in the concept of health. But the Torah says, for instance, Vulam Hashinim, you may be a closet stuki. If you don't say mechayim if you don't say the brach of tchias hamesim, that's a problem because you know you could be kaifer and tchias hamesim. That's another one of those. If a person doesn't say yushalayim ircha, yushalayim, then we yank him as well because you know there were people that didn't believe in Mashiach. So the tour expands this rule, not just to the Lamashinim, the tour expands this to any bracha that represents a problematic shita in Hashkafa. If you don't say it, we yank you. Um, the Beis Yisuf says, uh, no. The Bavli, you're right from the Yushalmi, the Bavli says, Ta bikal ha-brachas kulon ein malon, I say, except for berchas ha-tztukim. So the Beis Yisuf is like rather puzzled why the tour is disagreeing, so to speak, with the Bavli and going with Yerushalmi, and the Beis of argues. Anyway, so the question is, why didn't Shmuel HaKotten receive this treatment? Why didn't Shmuel HaKotten get yanked? Why didn't Shmuel HaKotten get fired? Somebody says, ah, oh, come on. Doesn't Shmuel HaKotten have any credit in the bank? Shani Shmuel HaKotten, the EU Shmuel HaKotten established the bracha himself. I mean, really? You're going to fire him? That, that's how short your memory is? That's how big of a makir type you are? Yeah, 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 that was last week. <laughs> now, you're out. That's how much hakar is hatayv you have to Shmuel HaKotten? That's what you think of him? Says the Gemara, I'm sorry. Maybe he switched sides. We do have, and we're going to talk about it this Gemara, precedent of someone who was very chasha for many years, reached the highest levels of society, and, and turned. 
So maybe that happened to Shmuel Akon. Omer Abaye says Abaye, Omer Abaye says Abaye, Gemiri, we have a tradition, Tava Lehevabisha. Tava, someone that's good, Lehevabisha never becomes bad. Which means if you ever find a guy that went off the derech, he was bad at one point in his life, and all he's doing is going back to that bad. But someone who is good doesn't go bad. Now, obviously, you're going to ask, then if, if you have to be bad in order to go off, then how did anyone ever get the first bad? So I'm not sure about this, but I think the answer is, obviously, there's a period in which this doesn't work, which means... Let's just say, I don't mean this for real, but let's just say for argument's sake, anyone that's good by age 30 isn't going off the derech. Meaning, it means, it, it means at, until a certain point in your life, you're right, you go either way, even if you're not good, because you're nothing at that point. It means past a certain age, if a person was good till fill in the blank, whatever you think is an appropriate number, 18, 25, 35, 72, but it means until a, per, a certain point in a person's life, if he was good, he's not going to go off. And now the Gemara is going to debate this, this concept because Abaya just said a rule. The reason why we didn't fire Shmuel Cotton is because we know he was good since he was a youth and someone who's been good his whole life, we don't have to be chayshid turned. We don't have to be chayshid went off the derech. So if Abaya's rule is true, we can have some, some like absoluteness over here. We can know that if someone's good, he's not going to go bad. If Abaya's rule is true, now the Gemara is going to challenge Abaya. Really? Valai? No? If someone was good, he can't go bad? Vox, if there's a pasik. It says, Ubeshov, tzadik mitzid kasei, when a tzadik goes back, on being a tzaddik, va'asa avel, and he does bad. So we see clearly a tzaddik going off. Says more no, he was a tzaddik now, but earlier in life he was a rasha. Hahu rasha meikarei, he was a rasha at first. Avol tzaddik meikarei lai. Someone who's been a tzaddik the whole time won't go off. The Gemara further questions Abaya. Veloi vatanan. We learned in a mission as follows. Mishnah tells us, Do not ever believe in yourself till the day you die. Which means, okay, I'm safe. You know, at a certain point you could say, I'm safe. There's absolutely nothing that could happen to me that can knock me off my game. I'm too old, I'm too experienced, I'm too set in my ways. Nothing could set me off. Says Mishnah, don't think that way. Do not be confident in your status until the day you die. I'll prove it to you. The famous He served as Kaingado for 80 years. Remember, you're not allowed to be Kaingado when you're five years old. So he served in the Kuna Gedele for 80 years, well into his hundreds. And yet, and at the end of his life, he became a tztuki. So you see clearly here, someone who's good went off the derech. So Abaya, you're wrong. 
I'm Rabbi, nope, I'm right. Huyanai hu Yechanan. This Yechanan Kaingaro, he was bad at first. He was a Chashmenoi named Yanai, who Rashi says was the one that killed all of the Chachamim. And that explains how he went off in the end of his life, because I'm right. I'm right. Only someone that was once bad can go bad. And it's true with this guy because he was Yana, then he became Yechon, and then he went bad. But if he would have been good his whole life, he wouldn't have gone off. Isn't there a thing you say that if he goes off, they were never good to begin with? Maybe, yeah, maybe no. I don't think we, we like to believe that. That means like he wasn't Lashmo when he did it. I don't think we like to believe that. But maybe. Rav Amr, no, 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 no. Rav Amr, Yanai Lechud, the two separate people. One person was Yanai V'yeichanan Lechud. Yanai Rasha Meikarai V'yeichanan Tzadik Meikarai. Yanai was always a Rasha, and Yeichan was always a Tzadik. So basically, sums up the Gemara, Hanicha Labaye. According to Abaye, it's good. The reason they didn't fire Shmuel, the reason they didn't yank Shmuel, is because Abaye employed his rule. Only someone that was once bad can go bad. Someone that was never bad won't go bad. And Yana can, and Abai conveniently holds, the reason Yechanan went off is because he was Yana. But Rava, who disagrees by Yana, and therefore disagrees with Abaye, says, no, a person who is pristine his whole life can go off the derech. Elul Rava Kasha says the Gemara, I have an answer. Amlucha Rava Tzadik Meikarinami even a person who was a tzaddik his whole life, could go off, and therefore, Dilma Haderbe. He could, he could have been chayzer and go tztuki on us. So then why didn't they yank Shmuel HaKatan? Why didn't they yank Shmuel HaKatan? Shmuel HaKatan began the bracha. This whole rule that we've been discussing tonight that we would take a person and take him out of being chazan because he failed to save Allah Mashinim is a guy who's not even willing to start the bracha. If he's not even willing to start Allah Mashinim, Alti Sikve, then ooh, we have a problem. Once a guy starts, if he starts Allah Mashinim, Alti Sikve, whatever you say, and then he stops, that's obviously a like a mental glitch. He doesn't like Tzdukim. He was willing to start the bracha. He started the bracha. He's not on the other team. He's not a closet Tzduki. He started the bracha. So the reason they didn't yank Shmuel is nothing special about Shmuel because a person could go off the derech. The reason they didn't yank Shmuel is because he didn't technically violate the rule. How so? He started the bracha. So why didn't they fire Shmuel? Shani He started. He started the bracha. The Amr Yehuda Amarav Vitem Reb Shuben Levi Loi Shanu. This wasn't learnt. This halacha that if you mess up in Vilam This halacha that if you don't say Vilam properly, we yank you. Eloshle his chilba that you didn't even begin Vilam Alshinim. I will his but Once you started, Gaimer will let you finish. Even if you mess up, we're not going to fire you. And that was the case for Shmuel HaKotten, and that's why they didn't yank him. Was that the only time that 